Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Breakfast special. Welcome to the Breakfast Show's Environment Special, Climate Connections. In less than a day's time, Chinese around the world will be ushering in the Chinese New Year. This cold-blooded creature is named after a mythical animal, but it's a dragon that can't breathe fire. With the year of the dragon fast approaching, some exotic pet shops in Malaysia are already seeing a growing demand for pet bearded dragons, which could cost between $50 to $90 each, depending on size. These dragons are popular pets in Malaysia, but it is illegal to bring them into the country without the correct permits. Meanwhile, it's illegal to keep such reptiles in Singapore, but a simple search on Telegram turned up several potential sellers that anyone could rather easily get in contact with to purchase one. We spoke to Serene Chung, Senior Program Officer at Traffic International Southeast Asia, an NGO that specializes in providing information analytics on illegal trade networks and supply chains targeting the kingpins and illegal markets to ensure that trade in wild species is legal and sustainable. And she says that many of these wildlife pets are often smuggled into Singapore from abroad. It's not going to be a lucky pet, for sure. And MPARCS has, in recent years, raided, arrested and convicted people for keeping illegal wildlife pets. So, you know, in that respect, if people were hoping for a lucky reptile to bring them luck, um, it could actually be their downfall. And from a conservation perspective, many of these species are protected and threatened with extinction because of demand from the pet trade. Many of these species require very specific care. So reptiles, for example, they require very specific humidity, uh, temperature, substrate. Some of them need live prey and not all of them are suited to life in captivity. And so many people who get pets, like wildlife pets, they think, oh, it's so cute. But actually, it's a huge responsibility. Uh, a lot of people are not equipped to provide that care that is required. And some of these species can also be destructive to their homes. In fact, it's not just reptiles. An investigation collectively spanning 122 days in 2021 and 2023 was conducted by the Animal Concerns Research and Education Society. They monitored six groups on Telegram where people actively buy and sell prohibited live animals. And they found an uptick in the number of sellers offering prohibited wildlife for sale some of which are classified as threatened or endangered under CITES or IUCN. Indian star tortoises, leopard tortoises and scorpions were among wildlife that saw the greatest increase in demand among telegram groups tracked. Experts say besides impacting wild populations, this could also result in wider implications. And because they are smuggled in illicit conditions and very poor conditions, a lot of them actually die. So uh, the mortality rates are very high. And in addition to this conservation concern, there's also uh, safety and health concerns around disease transmission or wildlife that could be biting or scratching the owners and you know, cause health concerns. 
And there's one more concern in Singapore as well, and that's about invasive species. Some people buy these pets and then they realise, oh, actually, I can't keep them. And then they release them into the wild. And it creates a problem for native biodiversity in Singapore because it uh, competes with them for food and nesting spaces. The most obvious one everyone has seen, radiate sliders. These are the little terrapins that everyone buys when they're little and they're cute and then they grow big. They don't know what to do with them. They release them into a pond or a water body. And now you see red-eared sliders in every single water body in Singapore. You know, they upset the balance in the ecosystem because they are quite aggressive. They reproduce quickly. So they will outcompete other species. They will also predate on other species. For many, feasting is synonymous with Chinese New Year. Items like abalone, sea cucumbers and fish more are often highly sought after at every banquet table. But did you know that you might unwittingly be supporting organised crime through these very delicacies? Traffic actually published a study in 2022 and we did 11 days of online surveys of websites in Singapore and Malaysia and we found in just these 11 days over 2,000 kilograms of sea cucumber and 3,500 kilograms of fish more offered for sale online. And this trade can be legal, but there were some species offered that were CITES listed. So this means that they are uh, protected, regulated for international trade, or they were protected under national laws in the source country. So this means that permits are required. And there were some threatened species that were also recorded in this study. Many of these fish maw and sea cucumbers could not be identified to the species level because there's a lack of labelling. There's a lack of traceability to say what is being sold, where has it come from. So we are advising caution uh, in terms of buying all these marine products that come from wild sources because we, we don't know you know, where they've come from, whether it's sustainable. And the story with abalone is quite interesting because we've got colleagues in South Africa who have done some investigations on this and they found that illegally wild-sourced South African abalone is quite frequently shipped to Asia and in South Africa itself, where they are sourced, this is linked to organised criminal and drug syndicates. So it's it's really tied into organised crime networks and it's not as simple as we think it is. Distinguishing whether something is illegally sourced or not is often challenging as well. But Serene says that restaurants can make more informed decisions by taking the following steps. So there's different dimensions to this. So firstly is looking at the, the importers, the distributors themselves. So asking questions of the people that they're buying from to get a documentation, for example, of imports to prove that, okay, this is where it actually came from. Basically asking more questions about the origins and just giving the example of abalone, the illegal South African abalone, which are involved in trade, are usually in the dried forms. So there are certain uh, forms which are higher risk of being illegal. So knowing the country of origin, getting documentation and paperwork, these are some of the things that uh, restaurants, businesses can do when you know sourcing these raw materials and products. 
And because it's still a relatively new, not very high-profile issue yet, uh, there's not that much resources out there at the moment. But some of them are being developed in terms of, you know, which species are protected. How do you identify them and tell them apart in the form that they are traded, like whether it's dried or cooked or canned. Beyond F&B businesses, the traditional Chinese medicine industry has also been placed in the hot seat for the use of products associated with illegal wildlife trade. These can include species that we are more familiar with, like everyone knows about the rhino horns and the pangolin. We have done some research in Malaysia in traditional Chinese medicine retail outlets and shops. Bare bile pills, uh, powders, whole or shaved gallbladders themselves, or vials containing flakes or the liquid bile itself. And the one that is very, very common in Singapore and Malaysia is saigar. It's a cooling water that's used for fever. So saigar antelope is endangered and it's also uh, internationally protected. And we've seen people selling not just shavings and powder and cooling water, but even whole horns. Uh, Another thing that has become quite popular in recent years in Malaysia is the porcupine bazaar. This is an undigested mess in the stomach. Many of the practitioners and the industry associations who we've been working with or we've spoken to, they will say that they don't sell or they don't use protected wildlife. But what we've observed in our research and our market surveys indicates otherwise. And some of them are just not very sure about what they can or cannot do because the laws can be very complicated. So in this project, we are aiming to meet their needs and concerns to raise awareness about laws and policies in Malaysia around the use, the trade, the advertisement of protected wildlife. And we're also raising awareness about some effective alternatives that don't contain protected wildlife. So TCM, you know, it's still very popular. It's still a very valid practice that a lot of people use. So we're not demonizing it. We're saying there are ways to practice sustainably and legally. Traffic has been at the forefront of efforts to tackle illegal wildlife trade for decades. But the work doesn't get any easier, as cracking down on such illicit activities requires the cooperation of many agencies and across various sectors. Coming back to the example of the abalone, most of this illegal trafficking of abalone is actually through containerized maritime shipping. So the the transport sectors are obviously exploited as vectors because you need to move this wildlife. And complex logistics for large volumes of illegal wildlife will typically involve these big criminal networks because (laughs) there's, there's a lot of logistics involved and probably some corruption along the way to make sure that these shipments arrive undetected, you know, unconfiscated. Traffic has worked very closely with airlines, airports, as well as uh, container shipping companies and associations to develop training for the staff. So the purpose of this training is to raise the awareness that actually, you know, people are using these vectors to smuggle wildlife. What are the red flags? What are some of the indicators or suspicious things to look out for in terms of paperwork or in terms of what the shipment looks like. Like, for example, if the weight doesn't match up the description on the documentation. 
even the small-time or individual traders will be using passenger airlines and increasingly post and courier not just parts and products but live animals. Um, so we developed a project with Post Malaysia and by the fourth year of the project, Post Malaysia came back to us and told us, look, we've seen a tenfold increase in detection and interception of postal packages that contain wildlife um, at their international postal hub alone. And these include things like live tortoises, lizards, snakes, butterflies, tropical fish, you name it. <laughs> a lot more attention and enforcement efforts have been put in globally to stem wildlife trafficking in recent years. But with the complex nature of wildlife trafficking, organizations like Traffic need the help of everyone to be their eyes and ears on the ground and to report the red flags. Yeah, so criminal syndicates are quite often one step ahead of the game because, you know, they've got the money, <laughs> they've got the resources to carry out the crimes. And because it's illegal activity, it's often very well hidden. So these guys know how to evade detection. But another challenge is also potentially corruption because in many countries, the money and the risks, well, it's high rewards potentially and low risks when it comes to wildlife trafficking. But because of this corruption at various levels, you know, it's easier for certain shipments to pass through bottlenecks or to just pass through undetected if somebody is there to help move a suitcase for example, from the restricted zone to the unrestricted zone. Yeah. So corruption really does undermine a lot of the investigations and the enforcement. Every region is involved in wildlife trafficking. You know, even the ones that we, we think, like supposedly the very developed countries like US, Europe, for example, there are wildlife trafficking cases going on in those countries as well. And there are networks that operate out of those countries as well. So nowhere is spared. But here in Southeast Asia, you know, we've been here since 1991 and we will continue to work in all the countries in the region. Southeast Asia is very important because it's growing as an economic hub, um, as a transport hub. So there's just a lot more flow of goods and there's a lot more money in the region as well. So there's a rise in consumption of luxury goods, for example, or people wanting to buy wildlife pets because now we can afford to do so. So, you know, Southeast Asia is still very important as a source region, transit region and a consumer region. So I think we are here to stay for at least a while. That was Climate Connections on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.